and welcome to this week's episode of And the Pod Goes To, presented by the Message Board. I am Alex. With me always is my co-host, Nathan. Nathan, do you want to tell everyone where we're recording from this week? Yeah, so this week we're recording from Thanksgiving Day. We're somewhere between your uncle's third and fourth drink where he's about to start talking politics. And that's when I shift over to the kitty table. <laughs> just because... give me more mashed potatoes and everything will be fine. <laughs> give me all of the mashy taters. Oh, I love them. Yeah, there is always like... My family always did Thanksgiving really late. I shouldn't say really late. Mm-hmm. Like Thanksgiving dinner started about 7.30, 8 o'clock. Okay. And usually by then, one of my uncles was pretty, pretty, pretty turned up by that point. For sure. And I was, you know, getting, getting lectured of some sort. Right. In the, in the fine arts of politics. <laughs> you know nothing. You're a six year old. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. This week we're going to be talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, it is our Thanksgiving episode, so I'll we'll be discussing that movie along with also building the perfect Thanksgiving meal. Um, this is obviously our own Thanksgiving meal, so yours and mine might be wildly different, but mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be delicious. Yes, sir. Nonetheless. So, you want to start with some movie news? Yeah. Uh, so, to start us off, uh, Netflix has removed Chappelle's show from their streaming options. Uh, they did so after it was actually requested so by Dave Chappelle. Um, so to give everybody a little bit of background, Dave Chappelle signed a huge contract with Comedy Central um, you know, when, his, when his show got really big. And he just kind of up and left. And there was always like these questions of like why he left and everything like that. And a big portion of it was contract disputes. Well, he signed this major contract and he never got paid for it. Um, and they still haven't paid him for it to this day. And so and and then he comes to find out that it is on Netflix and he still had he didn't get asked. He never got paid for it. So because he has a close relationship with Netflix, it's where he kind of came back to do his comedy special lot and everything. Um, upon request, they removed it from the platform. It's really sad because. I, I love Chappelle show and obviously growing up having Chappelle show was awesome. And then finally getting mm-hmm. it back to Netflix. I didn't jump right. in right away. To, I didn't jump in right away because I'm like, Oh, it's back on Netflix. It's going to right. be here for a while. So I didn't feel yeah. the urgency to go back and watch it, but just mm-hmm. knowing the idea that I was able to go back and watch an episode here or there, just to go see the old sketches that are mm-hmm. still very culturally relevant oh, and still 100%. like very, very funny. Yeah, and now this just sucks that they just pulled it immediately again. Yeah, right. And again, you can't really fault Netflix. I mean, it was it was Dave Chappelle who asked them to, so it's not like it's just it's not like Netflix is like, hey, here you go. Up, oh, never mind, took it back. So like, the, I to me, this is like the one like the one thing Netflix has done that isn't just doesn't feel like greedy bullshit, um, because they're like, you know what, we have a good relationship with you. We want you to be happy. We're gonna take we're gonna take this off upon your request because you mm-hmm. never got paid the contract you deserved for writing, starring in, doing everything for your own show. Um, and he's actually uh, Chappelle's kind of calling for like fans to kind of boycott anything that is on streaming. On now again, that's kind of tough, but like it was on Comedy Central for, or excuse me, it was on Hulu for a little bit. Because uh, because Comedy Central and Hulu had a thing going where they were just putting all their shows on there. 
So he's kind of asking like people to even just not watch it until, you know, until he feels like it's everything's kind of back to normal or at least kind of rectified in his eyes. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I didn't watch like I watched a couple of the the, this is this is kind of going off topic here, but I'm still talking about Chappelle. Mm -hmm. I uh, I I don't know if you watched the SNL episode with Chappelle recently. I I watched a few like of the sketches, but I I we watched the uh, the the monologue he had. Mm -hmm. That was probably one of the best things I've heard in a long time, as far as like between comedy and like realism. Right. Obviously, with a lot of especially with comedians, like a lot of the stuff that they talk about is funny, but a lot of the stuff they talk about is real real life things, and a lot of it is centered around a certain theme. And Chappelle gave a very funny monologue, but at the same time gave mm-hmm. a very realistic and a very real monologue. And just listening to it just makes you realize that he is probably the, I shouldn't say probably, he's arguably the greatest comedian of all time. Okay. For sure. The best of our generation. Yeah. Well, and he just, he kind of gets it. He's always been one that like, he doesn't play to like his audience. He's always going to tell him what he feels. Um, I've, I'd kind of put him in that realm with some of the guys like, uh, gosh, I can't even think of some, but like, he's not, I, he has stuff that's going to make you laugh out loud, like literally laugh out loud. It's going to make you cry, laugh. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. But then again, he has bits that are just real. And he has a way of like drawing you in when he speaks that and then he just hits you hard and it's just everything about his acts and the shows that he does and the stuff he's part of is incredible. No, absolutely. I I love Dave Chappelle and I I hope that he lets us have this because it lets it lets our age people who grew up with Chappelle's show mm-hmm. be able to rewatch that stuff but at the same time let the the new generation see why he is who he is. Right. Like how like they ins- he inspired Keen Peel to make what they did, right? You well, know? he even he even mentioned Keen Peel and like again you you talk about him like not playing to his audience. I remember when he came back, um, kind of got back on the scene in twenty. Gosh, it was more like twenty sixteen. He kind of came back after his hiatus. Like he was doing small comedy bits, but he was doing like bigger stuff, and that's when they released his. Uh, that's really that's when he released his episodes onto uh Hulu and part of his big um like thing or part of one of his skits they talked to him when he went to the Oscars with Chris Rock when they were asking everybody not to or they were asking all like the black actors and African American actors uh, and actresses not to go mm-hmm. um because they were they were wanting to boycott because they felt like it was unfair and you know they they asked him in uh, one of his bits, they're like, well, you know, why are you here? And this and that. And he's like, they're, he talks about how, like, the industry treated him wrong and everything like that. And he's like, man, I've been watching comedy. I've been watching Key and Peele do my show for four years. And, like, Key and Peele, obviously, like, it's just such a branch off of what he kind of created. And other, like, he made sketch comedy shows viable again. Yep. 100%. Like SNL, SNL obviously what is like the original sketch comedy show or one of the big ones. And then you had like in, in living color and stuff like that. But I mean, to me, Dave Chappelle made, he made sketch comedy without where he didn't have to put borders on it because he wasn't on a huge right. network. So he opened he, the door yeah, for people. It was unapologetic. Like, right. 
and he opened the door for guys like Key and Peel, which Key and Peel never went as far as Chappelle did. But like Kroll show, for instance, I mean, like Nick Kroll, before he had his big like rise into stardom, aside from the league, he had the Kroll show on Comedy Central and like everything, a lot of like characters and things that he developed for Kroll show is now on the stuff that he creates. And it just, Mm -hmm. it gave an outlet for that. And it doesn't happen without Chappelle. No, for sure. So without thinking, what's your favorite Chappelle show sketch ever? Clip Bixby. That's your number number one. (laughs) Clip Bixby is the best episode. It's the best Chappelle show skit. It's so when, when Netflix got Chappelle show, um, I was showing my girlfriend some episodes of, of it. And I don't think she liked it as much as I did. Um, but there were a few things that I had to show her. I was like, you need to watch these. Like, these are the essentials. Mm-hmm. Number one was the Clint Bixby sketch, which mm-hmm. is like the first episode. Yeah, it's, like, it, it yeah. Yep, it's right away. Show. Right. Um, but that was on there. The racial draft was one. God, and then uh, anything with like Charlie Murphy's Hollywood stories when, mm-hmm. you know, you meet Rick James, you meet Prince and stuff like that. I was like, you have to watch these. And again, I'm laughing my ass off, and I don't think she liked him as much as I did. So when I think of Chappelle's show, I think of like the, the four episodes, like the Mount Rushmore of episodes. Okay. And, and I think it's Clinton Bigsby. Mm-hmm. I think it's the racial draft. Mm-hmm. It's definitely Pr- Charlie Murphy's meets Prince, like they play basketball with Prince. Because game, okay. game blouses is a term or a is a... <laughs> Is a phrase that you use in everyday life. Correct. And you live in the perfect city to just walk around and yell, game blouses. Right. And I I think the fourth is probably the Wayne Brady sketch. Oh, the Wayne Brady sketch is good. Because that one threw everyone (laughs) off so much. And it's just like, when I think of the four episodes of Chappelle's show that like are engraved in my memory forever, it's probably those four. That's fair. I also love in the Prince episode after they get their asses beaten basketball, he's like, go wash yourself in the lake, in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> that is such a good line. This bores me. <laughs> such a good, God damn it. That is, that is a good one. Uh, so good. Why, what do you got next? Uh, so next up, Pete Davidson will lead as George Bailey in a live table read of It's a Wonderful Life. Um, they're doing this live table read as a charity. Uh, obviously, table reads have become like the big thing this year. Um, but the charity they're doing it for, it's the Ed Asner Family Center, which promotes mental health and enrichment programs to special needs children and their families. So I just wanted to bring this up because like Pete Davidson has always been, he's been very vocal about his mental health. Mm-hmm. He's He's had stints with psychologists. He's had stints in rehab. He's talked about how it's affected his his drug use and everything like that, um, which I was going to, I forgot to text you earlier this year, but I watched the bill, um, the, uh, the episode of SNL where, um, uh, God, I can't think of who was comedian. That Bill Burr. Thank you. I kept wanting to call him Bill Murphy because of uh, F is for family, but Bill <laughs> Burr hosted and like, Pete Davidson has never looked as healthy in his life as he does right now. And I think a lot of that has to do with like, he's, you know, just how he's been treated by Hollywood lately. Um, But he's, he's just a lot, he seems a lot healthier and it's really good for that. And again, he's always been open with his mental health, but man, 
I could not see him being George Bailey once. Like, not even for a second could I see him being George Bailey. But I think it would work. I think it's going to work. How? I think he... Like, I think it's you... crazy enough to work. So, do you see him as, like, a reinvented version of George Bailey? Like, if they were to take if they were to take a wonderful life and they were to rewrite it. Now, again, he's not actually acting in it. He's just using his voice. But even his voice just does not, like, it's not a distinct voice for me to be like, oh, yeah, Pete Davidson has that voice to be George Bailey. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg, so, the actor who originally, uh, Stuart, who originally was George Bailey, he has such a distinct voice. Like, he is such a he is such an original voice himself. But I just, for Pete Davidson to be the follow-up to that, is, it's tough for me. Again, this is just a table read, so it's more or less for just for fun. Right. But let's like let's actually talk about this for a second. So thinking about remaking the movie, mm-hmm. it, it's a there's going to be a lot of weed smoking. Like, as as Pete like does his thing, like I I don't mm-hmm. know. I could I could see it work if they took it seriously. Right. But. Knowing knowing Pete Davidson, it's not going to be taken seriously at all. Well, I think he will because again, like he has a little bit more clout to his name, so it's things like this that he needs to take more seriously um, in order for him to kind of keep building his acting career. Um, so I th- I think he will take it seriously, and especially because again, what the what it's going to like the cause that this is going to. Uh, in terms of like prepare, you know, helping with mental health issues and everything like that, especially in the the time that we're in. But I I guess like he, again because of because of his background, he's kind of the perfect person to do it. Because again, somebody like Pete Davidson, he's come out about you know suicidal tendencies and things like that in the past, and obviously that's a big part of It's a Wonderful Life. Is George Bailey just? he doesn't want to be alive anymore. He thinks life would have been better had he not been born. So it's kind of like his personality and who like just his life plays better to it. But Mm -hmm. again, it's, and not like I'm going to watch the live table read, but it's just, I'm intrigued on how he's going to like him reading some of those lines, especially if they don't adapt it for the times. Like he's having to say things that happened in like the 1940s and like, and just like when the movie takes place and everything like that, I don't know if it plays as well. I get that. So do you think this movie ever gets remade? Like actually remade? Cause I'm sure they've done like, yeah, I'm sure they've done iterations of like, it's made, it was written in the vein of it's a wonderful mm-hmm. life, but right. it wasn't really, it's a wonderful life. Right. And I mean, you've seen that. I mean, you've even seen it in cartoons. Uh, there was a, there was a episode of, um, Fairly obvious. I remember watching as a kid that did a that did an "It's a Wonderful Life" iteration. I feel like every cartoon has done not every cartoon, but like a lot of cartoons have done an episode like that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure Family Guy's done. I mean, like the death episodes are kind of similar to that. If not, Mm -hmm. like there's a couple. You know, I don't know. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, I don't know. I just again. I I like what he's doing and I'm excited for him to do it. I just don't, I just, I can't hear his voice saying some of the things 
George Bailey says. Well, that makes sense. What do you got next? Uh, so next up, Tom Holland is set, is set to star in an upcoming movie from the Russo brothers. It's called Cherry. Uh, it's a story about a soldier who returns from war and battles PTSD to cope. He gets himself tangled into opioid addiction, self-medication, and a life of crime. Um, is set to is right now scheduled for to be debut in theaters on February twenty sixth. So this movie isn't going to be in theaters. Uh, probably not till maybe later. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of budget went into it. I didn't find that anywhere. Um, but I mean, they the the article that I read on this, I think it was from Variety. They had some stills out, um, and just kind of showing like pictures from the movie and everything like that. This movie is is set to take place in like a 15 year period. Okay. So from him, I think prior to him going to war, him being in war and then his life afterwards. And they, they sent out some stills and just looked incredible. Even just the photos of how his life changes and like how he looks in terms of like what his hair looked like and how clean cut he is and things like that. And what he's wearing you know, those things that kind of like they're the little monikers to kind of tell you like, yes, this is good. Yes, this is bad. Like things like that. You know what I mean? Um, so I I am excited for this movie. Anything the Russo brothers ever since their Marvel days and their life and community, ev- anything they do, I'm pretty excited to kind of go check out. Um, but Tom Holland has been on just an, a roll lately. Um, oh, he's been on a tear. So, like, between Spider-Man and, you know, every an- the animated movies that he's been doing and getting that movie that he had with Daisy Ridley that's been in, like, production hell for six years, that's finally coming out. And he's just on it. He's, do- he's incredible. I mean, he's just... The stuff that he's doing right now is awesome, so I'm also really excited to see him take on this role. Um, from the looks of it, it reminds me a lot of his character from The Devil Inside, or The Devil All the Time, excuse me. And uh, I think it's going to be really well done on his part, especially. No, I'm super stoked for it. Don't get me wrong. I just have a hard time thinking that this actually is going to come out in theaters at that time. Right. And the more, the more, the deeper we get into this year and the deeper that we get into this pandemic has me more and more concerned for the entertainment industry They'll shift going they'll, forward. They'll figure it out. They are going mm-hmm. to figure it out. There will be the entertainment industry will be fine. The movie, like the movie theater industry, is what I'm worried about. Right. No, I hear you, and that's where they're kind of having to adapt. Um, and that's why, like, you see, you see places like AMC just did a thing or just put out where they're gonna open up uh, private screenings. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the uh, I went onto the Grand Theaters website. Uh, to kind of see if they had any new movies out um, and or any movies in general, like any throwbacks that I want to go see during like the $5 specials and stuff. And they're doing they're doing private screenings. So, I mean, the movie, the theater industry is going to just have to learn to adapt. Um, I think they have some potential for that. It'll just be, you know, how long and or what will be the next step, really? For like, sure. Again, do you rent out private screenings? Do you start showing? Do you start getting the rights to show TV shows and like allow people to kind of binge uh, TV and theaters, you know, mm-hmm. things like that? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the exact answer is, but I think there's that potential there. Um, 
but you're seeing it with you're seeing it with movies that are big enough for they're either either they're really big or they're really small and they're going on to streaming services. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this as a VOD movie uh, next year if theaters aren't opening up because again nobody knows how long this is lasting. Nobody knows the long term effects of it. Um, so it's just it's tough to know where we're going. So I like. But anyway, with this movie in general, again, I'm just I'm excited for who, who's producing it, who's part of it. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a good way. Good movie. So you said you're you you, you think it's going to be a VOD movie. Mm-hmm. You know what movies I'm a big fan of? POV. POV <laughs> movies. Ah, Baited him in. (laughs) What do you got next? (laughs) Uh, So next up, uh, Earl Charles Spencer. Do you know the name? No. You shouldn't. Uh, So he's the brother. (laughs) He's the brother to the late Princess Diana. Um, Okay. Basically, he was interviewed recently talking about the crown. Because if you've never seen The Crown, The Crown is a show on Netflix that has been following the life of uh, Queen Elizabeth since prior to her getting on the throne, her time, her early years as the Queen of England. And it's just been following. And this newest season is following them. Uh, it's involving her connection or her disputes, whatever. I don't know British history well enough. But her her influence with Margaret Thatcher and as well as her connection with Princess Diana. Um, but so Princess Diana's brother is coming out and he's warning viewers who watch the newest season of The Crown to watch it with an ep- a skeptical eye. Um, he actually denied Netflix the rights to film on their family's long-term estate. Uh, he warns that The Crown is not a history lesson, rather an imaginary story based off reality. Um, so some again things there are things that obviously do happen uh but there are things that are fiction um even prince william has come out and said that he is disappointed with how netflix depicts his parents uh so there's there's just some discrepancy now that we're getting to a newer age of the of the crown where people are like oh like this didn't happen this didn't happen this wasn't real and you know but incredible show i mean if you haven't watched it the crown is awesome uh, every um, I'm blanking on the actor's name who played Winston Churchill, but one of the best Churchills to ever do it. Uh, so good show to get into. Uh, and again, just if you want to get something, get into a show that's based off of some like pop culture things that you know. That's where this newest season of The Crown's a great way to great way to go. For sure, I have never watched it. Um, when and if we go into a lockdown here, that might be my binge. A binge play. You so. know, for you liking history, um, I think it'll be interesting for you and interesting enough for you. Um, mm-hmm. Just being that, again, it's it has some drama to it. Obviously, you're talking about Queen Elizabeth. So it's not like it's a huge action-packed, like, dramatic-type movie. But if you think, it, think of it in, like, terms of, you know, with, like, the West Wing or something like that, where... It's just high stakes. It's a lot of manipulation and dealing with people. That's kind of the, in the vein, I would say, that this is going to be. Gotcha. So I know 
this is has nothing to do with history, but talking about TV shows that I've been binging or had binge. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, you know, I texted you about how I started watching Man Seeking Woman and how I thought it was a funny show. Uh, I don't remember, but feel remind like, me. I feel like I, I feel like I, I texted you about this. So Man Seeking Woman, it's an, it's on, it's on, it's on Hulu. It was an FX show. It has Jay Beerishel, and it's essentially him trying to find love in New York City. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Ugly Americans, but in real mm-hmm. life, like anything okay. can happen. And right. it's very like, it's it's so weird, but I love it. Like there's okay. literally an episode where he, he Jay Baruchel's character is dating this girl, and he's like, she's way too attractive for him. Like it's like it's, it's essentially she's out of my league, but in a TV form, right? And um, he's really like possessed, not possessive, but he's like really jealous of other guys. And her friend comes to visit. Well, her friend mm-hmm. is a is an alien, and his arms and tentacles are penises. <laughs> it's just a really weird show. Oh, okay. But it's really funny, so you should watch it. I know that okay. has nothing to do with history <laughs> whatsoever. This took a large turn. A, a left turn. A left turn. But it's definitely like it's our humor. Okay. Like if we were to if we were to write a show, that would be our humor. Okay. That makes sense to so. me. So what do you have next? Uh so next up, Ryan Reynolds is to, is set to star in a science fiction thriller from Sean Levy who created who was part of the production and creation of Stranger Things. Uh he also directed Real Steel and Night at the Museum. Uh it's mm-hmm. a science fiction thriller uh where Ryan Reynolds is to go back in time and teams up with his 13-year-old self to save his father who passed away to save the future. Uh Mark Ruffalo has been billed to play Ryan Reynolds' father and Catherine Keener is set to play the villain. Uh, Jennifer Garner is is set or is cast to play the 13-year-old's mother, so a.k.a. also Ryan Reynolds' mother. And Zoe Saldana is playing Ryle, uh, Ryan Reynolds' future self, a.k.a. Ryan Reynolds, his wife. Um, it's going to debut on Netflix. Production has started as last, like within the last couple of weeks, but there's no set release date. I feel like Ryan Reynolds has like always in... Und- uh, like newly developing movies, but it feels like he's not partaking never, never in any coming of them. out. Yeah, right. he's not partaking. Like his name is always on these movies. Like Ryan Reynolds attached to new movies coming out in three right. years, and it just right. you, it just never happens. So I'll be hard pressed to see when and if this happens because it it happens all the time where a, big actors get attached to these roles and then they drop out and go do something else. Right, it, it is what it is. So I, it's one of those things where I'm just. I'm skeptical until I see, until I see like progress. It actually come to fruition. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that they're in production is a big plus. Um, The problem, I think the issue with Ryan Reynolds is he's such a big name. So it's easy to throw it out there with like, oh, he's doing this. He's doing this. He's doing this. Where, I mean, the guy could literally just quit acting and be perfectly fine. Now, I don't want that. I don't want that by any means. Like, but you know, for him to be attached to so many things, I think it just, it'll probably wear on him at some point um, of it being just too much, I would guess. But like I said, with this being already in production, I like, I like the chances of this coming out. I don't know how I feel about the movie. Like if it's, it if it's going to feel like too six underground to me, um, 
where it's just like, we're going to really lean on the fact that Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo are in this movie as opposed to actually producing something that's good. No, for sure. I just, we'll see. Again, like I said, it has to come to fruition for me to even like be excited for this. For sure. I don't, that's just me. I'm being, I'm being under, I'm, I'm being kind of a dick about it, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, what do you got Fair. next? Sorry. Uh, so last bit of news. So Ken Jennings, we pronounced his name wrong in the last podcast. We kept calling him Jenkins. It's Ken Jennings. Yes. Um, he will be the guest host on new episodes of Jeopardy. So before Alex Trebek passed away, they had already filmed a number of episodes that will release in December and through into January. But they are starting to shoot new episodes for after those episodes are done. And they are going to use a variety of guest hosts. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be their feeler for who's going to be the next host of Jeopardy. None of the other guest hosts have been announced other than Ken Jennings. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ken Jennings is the winningest person on Jeopardy of all time. He won something of like $52 million. Uh, he just incredible, incredibly smart guy. Like we talked about in the last podcast of like us not being sure how much, uh, how much of the like how many of the answers Alex Trebek actually knew Ken Jennings is going to actually know all of the answers and you know he's not like a a stick in the mud either like he's got a decent personality and he's got like a nice smile he's got a nice voice he would be fine like right. he's not gonna be you know like I mean like there's I know there's probably some people that are worried like oh he's gonna be just like uptight he's gonna be like the smart guy if you ever watched him on Jeopardy he had fun like right he was would, a good person to watch. I would worry about him being kind of full of himself. Be like, I'm Ken Jennings. If you don't know, I, know who I am, look it up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's what I worry about Ken Jennings coming on for, where he just, he, other than Jeopardy, he obviously has no, like, no, no stardom. So for him to just be like, oh, I'm the, I'm the Jeopardy guy. Um, I, I'm a little worried about that. And if you, f- I know you said he's okay, you, you'd be happy with him. But if you fucking steal LeVar Burton away from me being the host of Jeopardy, <laughs> I, will, I will throat punch you. Listen to me. <laughs> if LeVar Burton doesn't get this, I will come and just kill you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so anticlimactic. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch you in the face. Let me tell you okay. something. Folks, listen up. I'd kill for LeVar Burton. I don't know if they know I'm joking. That, okay. I was wondering where you were going with that. Just I just you would literally kill for him. I would That's just literally it. kill I would literally kill for LeVar Burton. That makes all the sense to me. He it, <laughs> Would you make him call himself uh Kunta Quinte? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely I would. Listen here. Kunta Kinte is the new host of Jeopardy. <laughs> God damn it. All right. You have any other news? That's all I have for movie news. All right. Let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about a movie. So, again, like I said, with, with Thanksgiving this week, we wanted to talk about a Thanksgiving movie. Because there's a difference between a, a holiday movie and the, a Thanksgiving movie. And this is like a Thanksgiving movie through and through. Like the way they talk about it. 
they're trying to get home for Thanksgiving dinner. It's a very like blatant thing. It's still a holiday mm-hmm. movie, yeah. But it's 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 a blatant Thanksgiving movie, and this is a movie that my family would watch every year on or around Thanksgiving. So the mm-hmm. synopsis: <clears throat> A man must struggle to travel home for Thanksgiving with a lovable oaf of a shower curtain ring salesman as his only companion. So it's Steve Martin, John Candy are the main two actors. Literally, like the only two actors in this movie. Like everyone else is like kind of quasi small cameos because it's John. It's a John Hughes movie, so he uses mm-hmm. a lot of the same people. Yeah, but it's literally th- these two acting for. I forgot how short this movie actually is. Like hour and 20 minutes super short which yeah it, it that's what makes it a really good holiday movie because a good holiday movie is something that you can just throw on quick with the family mm-hmm. you're not you know you, you're already with your family enough as it is yeah i don't want to make you sit for more than two hours with your family trying to stay quiet and trying to pay attention to something they understand get in get out done and i love right. it. right yeah. you can tell you can tell from some of the scenes are cut short um for that specific reason, not for the specific reasons of myself saying that John Hughes hates dealing with families, but it's like, it's, you definitely could tell there was more to the scenes when he mm-hmm. kind of cut it, which is fine. Right. It, it, it doesn't play it overplay itself out. I love this movie. Incredible movie. I There's forgot. A... Just go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say like there, obviously there are some things that we're going to, we're going to talk about it in years and years. The things that we did, like about the movie um there there's some like i said it's it is a little on the short side but it also feels like just a lot of stuff really jam-packed into a short amount of time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no absolutely i <laughs> i i i i forgot how vulgar this movie gets for about five minutes because mm-hmm. i always remember watching it on tv Right, like we—I don't think I actually own this movie. I remember only watching it on like—I don't—I want to say they even played it on ABC Family or like AMC Network or something. But like the tirade, oh, this is definitely an AMC movie. Yeah, and like the tirade that Steve Martin has in the airport, where he just yells "fuck you," like for like he literally says the f word like thirty times in a, a two-minute span to right. the to, to the front desk lady. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot it's, it's, that he drops like and it's, multiple f bombs. It's so weird because like, like Steve Martin, like in my brain, has always been like he's always the dad in a lot of family movies. Um, well, he was he, the like, father of the bride. When I was growing up, right? He was just like for me growing up, he was a lot, a lot of like the father of the bride. He was the dad in uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. By the dozen. He was in. Uh, he was uh, Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther movies. And, like, so you just never, like, saw him go on those tirades. But, like, he was one of the original cast members of SNL. And that's back when, like, you could get away with shit on TV. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have to remember, like, he's... He had, like, even though he got more family roles down the road, he had, like, those... um, He had those, those bits to him as well. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin has looked the same age for 25 years. He, I think he went gray at 18 years old. Because from 19, or the, from the early, like the late 70s to early 80s movies to late 90s. Now, granted, 
2000s he started to shape shape into what he is now. Mm-hmm. But for a solid 20, 25 year run, he looked the exact same age. Right. Oh, 100%. I even now, like if you look at Father of the Bride versus what he looks like now, that's a that's over 20 years old. And right. like if you look at that movie, like you're like it's there's no way of telling like that is not Steve Martin. It is 1000% Steve Martin. He he only has showed us that he's aged because he looks a little droopier and he has glasses. Yeah, it doesn't make That's sense. That's the only way to tell. <laughs> I don't know what that guy does. He's like he's on a very short list of people in Hollywood who just don't age. It's it's fantastic. Also, John Candy's laugh. Just oh, man. That, that sarcastic laugh. Mm-hmm. It, it it just warms my heart. There, there are a few things in this world that warm my heart when I listen to them. It's Robin Williams just talk at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. John Candy and John Candy's laughter. Like mm-hmm. I can't think of a bad John Candy movie that I've seen. I literally cannot. They're all good. And they're yeah. all the same, like like Uncle Buck. Mm-hmm. The great oh, outdoors. I love you the know, great outdoors. Great outdoors is great. Um, you know, I would put one other person on that list, and it's Chris Farley. That's fair. I don't I, have a bad. I, just, I don't have a bad time get, watching Chris Farley. I get. I get. I would say the same emotion out of Chris Farley as I do out of uh, John Candy. There might be one Chris Farley movie that, if I never had to watch again in my life, I'd be fine with it. Beverly Hills Ninja. It's Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. So I don't want to. I don't want to go off on a different tangent. But do you remember there was a cartoon? I think it was in the '90s. It was called Camp Candy. No. You don't remember this? <laughs> no. So John Candy like ran a summer camp, and I don't know if he was. Act- he had to actually be the voice of it because there's no way they would make a TV show about him. Yeah. So a comedian John Candy runs a summer camp. It's literally all it is. And it's I just remember it was like a very short-lived series. But just I I, I remember watching it as a kid. I don't know. Just sorry. It's interesting. Okay. Just look sorry, it up I'm later. Trying to look. Okay. Sorry, I was dumping I was jumping into uh John Candy's filmography to see if there's anything that you wouldn't like or would be bad. There's what, sorry? If I'm just trying to find anything in John Candy's like filmography that I think you would hate. I don't think there is. I mean anything that he like starred in was gonna be good, but like he had a part in Splash. I remember that, yeah. He was um, a very like weird character in Splash. Like he was like the horny best friend character in Splash, from what I remember. I've never actually seen it, but he's in something called Canadian Bacon. Okay, I haven't seen that. Uh, but I can't imagine it's bad. It has a 6 out of 10 on IMDb, which is pretty low for IMDb. Yeah, but there's a lot of movies that... I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. I, I love John Candy. Just, again, like I said, I associate John Candy with, like, holiday movies. Like, he just, it seemed like mm-hmm. he was in overabundance of them. And when I say he was in overabundance of them, he was in this one, and he was in Home Alone for a brief period. Right. 
but he also made like he made he was such a great cameo for Home Alone, and obviously he did it because he was like him and John Hughes are really good friends. So John Hughes is like, hey, we want you to we want to bring you in for this, mm-hmm. and he does like one bit and he steals the entire movie that he's in. Oh, he oh it. yeah, it's he's in such a sentimental part where his where like the mom is trying to get home to get to Kevin. And, like, so she can take care of him and be with him and everything. And, like, it's supposed to be, like, the sentimental bit. And, like, she's doing whatever she can. And that includes riding with a poker troop in the back of a bus. And John Candy steals that show. He steals that bit. And it's awesome. It's great. So I want to come back to playing transit automobiles. I'm sorry. Um, so the whole the whole movie is just, again, centered around... John Candy and Steve Martin, just one thing after another happening where they just can't get back home. They just can't get back mm-hmm. home. And normally in this movie is like tensions build, tensions build, tensions build. And it's not until like the end of the second act is when that like breaking point happens. The breaking point yeah. happens within the first 25 minutes at the, at the first hotel they stay at. Right. Yep. And, and <laughs> And John Candy delivers probably the great one of the best lines ever the next the next morning. Yeah. Steve Martin asks him, Where's your other hand? And he says, In between two pillows. And then they, and then they realize, oh, my hand's between Steve Martin's cheeks. <laughs> it's it, it's just such a great bit. Right. You know, there's one thing I need to talk about from earlier in the movie. Earlier than that? That was like 25 Earlier minutes than in. That. Yeah. Earlier than that. What the hell was up with the shoe hoarding of Kevin Bacon in this movie? Okay, that was a little weird, yeah. <laughs> Just, that was you're a gonna bring weird. in You're going to bring in Kevin Bacon during like a big part of his career and you're just like, you're not even going to say a word. He wasn't even, not yeah, he wasn't even, even like, he could have been like a person. A single Sorry, word. word. He could have no. be, been the hotel clerk. They could have brought him in to be the hill, the the guy in Omaha that drives him uh, in the back of his pickup truck to the uh, to the airport. Like he could have been so many things, but instead he's a guy. He's a New Yorker. He's a New, a New York, York businessman who fights Steve Martin, or he races Steve Martin for a cab. Yeah, what? And he it could t- have like... it took me out of it. So it took me out of it. I'm sorry. They could have made him like another partner at like the marketing office, and he, they could have like made him like just a complete dick for two minutes, and then they get outside, and then they fight for the cab. Like they could have right. given him like that part, but instead right. he's just a random person on the street that like he locks Steve Martin instantly locks eyes with and says, "This motherfucker and I are going for a cab." <laughs> it's incredible, just like again, just the sh- it doesn't make sense. Shoe hoarding, just the shoe hoarding. This Kevin is Bacon in this movie, the height of Kevin Bacon's career. This is 1987. Yep. This is post Footloose. Pre post Animal House. Pre Tremors. Yeah, Tremors was the height. Tremors was the climax. <laughs> you can't. You can't come back from Tremors. That I know. Movie I ruined his career in the best way possible. <laughs> I know. I know what your answer is, but I know like the general answer from like from the world. Tremors is better than Footloose. It is. <laughs> okay. It is. 
You know why? Because they were allowed to dance in that town, Nathan. That's they fair. were allowed to dance even while they're being eaten by worms. <laughs> you know, now that you bring up that bit from Tremors, to dig, to jump into a wormhole here real quick. <laughs> when it's when it's when it's desert animals here, when it's desert animals, how come it's always worms? Like if there's some like crazy animal that's killing everybody in the desert, it's worms of some kind. That makes um, sense. Whether it's whether it's tremors, whether it's sandworms from Beetlejuice, like it's always a worm type character, and I don't get it. <laughs> All right, so moving in, moving past the 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 tre- the Kevin Bacon part, so plane trains and automobiles. So again, like I said, it just keeps increasing everything that happens. The only thing that, like, okay, this is probably going to come up in my jeers, but they could have played up the idea that John Candy is more of a loner than he actually is. Like, for the most part, like, he doesn't, like, there's, like, little bits. Like, yep. Right. They 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 play they play the bits back in Steve Martin's brain when he's riding the train, like, riding the L to his house. Yep. And he plays it back. But, like, they could have played that up a little bit more to make it a little bit more, like... More obvious. Yeah, more obvious or more gut-wrenching. Like, it was a gut-wrenching moment. Don't get me wrong. Right. It still hits you every time. But, like, they could have made it a little bit more emotionally impactful because they had had built up this character for so much to just be this, like, goofy dude. But he just doesn't... Like, they don't give him enough of... they They don't make him sad enough. Right, like they only you only tell that he has like, let's just call it issues at home. Even though he doesn't mm-hmm. really have a home, because he says it late in the movie where he hasn't yeah. been home in six in years. years. Yeah, so he has he doesn't have much of like a home, but you could have like you could have really built up the fact that he didn't have that by using more than just like his facial cues. It's like you really have to pay attention to John Candy's like facial acting to really tell that like when he brings up going home, like you can see him like look away and kind of like using body using body language to tell that he doesn't have he doesn't have anything to go home to. Um, Mm -hmm. So you kind of like you kind of get the feeling that he's almost like relishing what's going on a little bit because he finally has a companion. He finally has somebody to spend time with, Um, but that doesn't play up. Like it just doesn't it doesn't come out in the vocal or it doesn't come out in the script at all. You really have to get that by reading John Candy's facial um just his facial cues and his body language. And it kind of explains why he's such a like talkative person. It's mm-hmm. because he's had no one to talk to for years. Right. No, absolutely. I I don't know what it is, and it, I think it's the 80s. Like, there was the run in the 80s where these comedies were coming out that the humor was just right. Like, mm-hmm. the humor was just perfect. And it was, like, not... I wouldn't call it slapstick, because that's not the correct term. I right. wouldn't call it slapstick, but it definitely used physical humor in a different sense. And I really appreciated that. Like, there was, like, a solid run. Like, there was this, there was Uncle Buck, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep naming John Candy movies, but there's Trading Places. <laughs> they all have right. the same type of humor. And I don't know if what it is. Like, I don't know how to describe the humor that they were using, but like, when they try to remake these movies, they try to capture that same humor and it doesn't mm. do it. Right. You can't 
capture that moment. Like the moment when they're driving backwards on the highway and they go through the two semis and it, there's a quick cut between they, they turn into skeletons for a moment and then Steve Martin's character looks over at John Candy and John Candy's dressed up in a devil's outfit and just laughing at him. Like you right. can't recreate that. <laughs> it's so funny. You can't recreate that moment in a remaked movie because it looks too forced and right. it, they, tr- they do it over the top. Like right. they, they take those sentimental moments and they turn it up to a thousand. Right. They have that ability to just make you, it's, it's like we talked about with some other movies, like you can laugh, but you also like, it, it has parts of seriousness and then raises it back with some parts of levity. And it's, right. it's tough to find that like really good mix. And again, post eighties, it's really tough to find that mix. I say like really the only movie that like off the top of my brain, where if you want to call it like the buddy travel series, if you want to call it that, where mm-hmm. like you have two guys who have to make a cross country trip or do whatever. So whether it's rat race, whether it's uh, 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 due date, but the only movie I can think of that like captured it was also really close in terms of timeline, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Boy. Like Tommy Boy has that same yeah, ability fair. to really like hit you hard, but also raise that levity. He has that physical comedy, but also has like the the knowledge, like the smart comedy to it as well, like the smart bits. And there's just it's the only it's the only other movie that I feel like captures that. And again, it's it's this Tommy Boy came out ten years after Plane Trains Automobiles. So I mean, mm-hmm. like it, I don't know if it's like you said a product of the time or what it is, but just that that way to to capture the com- the comedic presence of and the physical presence and stuff. So I complain about the eighties a lot. <laughs> I, I I I I outwardly say that I hate genuinely hate the eighties. Okay. But the eighties gave me some of the best horror movies and mm-hmm. some of the best comedy movies that I've ever seen. And I and I will still I'll still say that the eighties has some comedy movies that hold up as some of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. And that's because cocaine's a hell of a drug. It is, but like it's <laughs> it's but it's like the I don't know like how to describe the comedy. Like I was re-watching this movie today and I was watching, I was like, why can't we make comedies like this? Like mm-hmm. Why can't we capture these moments anymore? And I don't know if it was because of the simplistic times of the of the of the of the early eighties or the late eighties, I should say, the early nineties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the character, like the the actors that were doing it, just solely doing that. I'm right. not, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. I just yeah, it, it, it could be the nostalgia kicking me kicking me in the butt. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know why we can't. I can't feel that anymore when watching a movie. Right, and I I'd, I'd say there's like a bit of it goes into like saturation. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we always talk about with comedies now where like, if you don't, if you try to make a joke of, on a, in a cop, in a comedic movie about something like that's because everything has such a quick turnover nowadays with the internet, but like, even with the oversaturation, there's still bits of this movie that are, or I shouldn't say bits. This movie's still hilarious. And I've seen it a number of times. Like there's just, there's something about it. And again, I, I don't know if it's delivery I don't know if it's just like a a willingness to go there. I don't know if it's just like again, maybe more simplistic. Like we don't demand as much because like with if you if you're somebody who has like a darker sense of humor, 
like it's tough to look at this movie and be like, oh, this is great if you have a dark sense of humor, but we still love it. But like it doesn't measure up like to even some of like the roasts on Comedy Central that we've watched, like in terms of dark humor. So trying to I don't know if we just have like different demands on comedies on movies now where mm-hmm. like if we're just if we're looking for something more and just not getting it. I don't know. I just, like I said, I just don't know. And it, again, it's like I watch, I think of the comedies of the eighties that I watch it's trading places is just, you can't capture recapture that those moments that you watched. I think coming of Link- to America, coming to America is perfect example. Um, Beverly Hills cop. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably early now. Well, it's late eighties, early nineties. I think I'm thinking of late seventies, early eighties. I think of blazing saddles. I think of space balls. Uh, like, I think Blazing of all saddles. these comedies, like I don't, I just can't put my finger on it. What it is about them mm-hmm. that is just funnier than some movies that I watch today. Right. And again, a, a lot of it could be the acting. Cause I mean, like you talk about like Blazing Saddles and you have comedic legends. Like I'm not talking about good comedic actors, I'm talking about absolute legends mm-hmm. in things like Blazing Saddles. And see no evil, hear no evil. And, like... Young Frankenstein. Like, young Frankenstein. (laughs) There's just... It's it's so tough to beat the Gene Wilders and the Richard Pryors, the John Candys. Steve Martin and John... Like, the Three Amigos. Where you have Steve Martin, Martin Short. Like, like how can you beat that? They're... Again, they're comedic legends. It's not, like you have somebody who's a decent comedic actor who's mm-hmm. just out there killing it. Like the only thing I can think of where like you have like just like the group of people who are incredibly good across the board. Like one of the last movies I can think of is super bad where like Jonah Hill, great comedic actor, Michael Sarah played his role to like a T, but again, he Michael Sarah is funny in that movie, but he's not like a, to me, he's not like a huge, like only comedy type actor. And like, I don't know. There's just, at that there's time just of a his difference. career, he was though, right? He just come off of Arrested Development, right? That's fair. And I Sorry, guess a I'm not, that's what, a, that's another that's another argument for another day. Sorry. Right. I guess you know when I think about it, he is pre- a lot of like comedic stuff. Like when I see him and stuff now, it's usually a comedic role of some kind. It's mm-hmm. you know when he was in um, This Is the End, it was a comedic role. When he was in his just like. The small bit they had him in with uh, uh, Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later. <laughs> or, or uh, no, sorry, the early days of camp. The early, yeah, the early yeah. days of camp. Like, there, he just has bits that are comedic. So, like, and then Christopher Mitz Plaza, um, his big thing, his, uh, his big thing aside from um, Super Bad has been the, the kick ass movies. And mm-hmm. even those have a, and those have comedic undertones to them. So, like, you have, that's, like, the last thing I can think of that, like, you're just, your comedy actor is purely a comedy actor. Correct. No, for sure. Um, do you want to do some cheers and jeers of the movie, or do you have any closing thoughts on the movie? Um, let's get into cheers and jeers, because, like, my closing thoughts on the movie are going to kind of fall into cheers and jeers. Um, like I said, just incre- across the board, incredible movie. Like, if you... If you, the listeners, have never seen Bla- uh, 
have never seen Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. If you have, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. If you have Prime, just go spend the time and watch it. It's an hour and a half. It takes no time to watch it. It's an incredible movie. Two comedic legends that have, that just feed off of each other incredibly well. Um, John Candy, one of his best performances. So just go watch it. No, it's great. Um, I'm going to start off with a couple of cheers. I think the cheers is just the, the, the humor in general just holds up because it's not like I, it's not, it's not aged. It's aged very well. I should say. Right. I think that, I think the humor is aged Agreed. very well. Like, it's not like, it's not just eighties humor. It's not, you know, it's not centered around the t- the times. Granted, it's it'd be a little bit different now. Don't get me wrong, but but I think the the humor is aged very very well. For uh, sure, I think Steve Martin and John Candy is probably just two of probably the best comedic acting performances in a comedy we've seen in a long time. Like yep. when you think of when you think of just two heavy hitters, like they carried this movie. Like, mm-hmm. well, they were the movie. Nobody were the else movie. in this movie's had more than like three minutes of screen time. Right, they and that's, were the and, movie, and that's the problem with current movies today. Is like they rely on cameos. Cameos are everything. If this movie was re-released today, the 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 front desk worker would be someone famous. the 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 stewardess would be someone famous. The guy driving the truck would be someone famous. Like it would take away from the movie. Like it would just distract you. So and can I can thing. I make a counterpoint to that? Go ahead. So while we're talking comedy movies and something that's made. It's not today, made today, but within the last five years, and that's 21 Jump Street. Yep. So 21 Jump Street, it does have those cameo performances. Granted, Dave Franco was kind of before he was Dave Franco. Ron Riggle, not the bit, Rob Riggle, excuse me, not the biggest <laughs> name out there, but he was definitely like a portion of the movie. Brie Larson before she was really Brie Larson. So would, where would you kind of put those, like, 21 Jump Street is an incredible comedy movie. Like, I, I think that I think I think 21 Jump Street. Jump Street is its own it is in its own league. Do you like, think but do you think they hit so talking about like using actors that aren't huge and they don't have to be cameos. Do you think as I'm talking about it I'm trying to I'm like telling myself this point of do you think that they hit those actors before they were big names and they're not really cameos or are they cameos? I don't think 21 Jump Street is cameos. I think they got them per- for timing. Okay. That's fair. I I think like Anchorman is cameos. I think, and don't get me wrong, I love Anchorman. But I think like movies like, okay, I'm trying to think of a shitty movie. I would say Anchorman 2 is cameos. The original Anchorman is not. Other okay, that's fair. That's fair. Your cameos of like the other news teams, of course, because you bring Ben Stiller in and you have a few other guys. But like, if you look at like your your main news team, it was Steve Carell and Paul Rudd before they were huge. David Koechner's never been like a household name. Mm-hmm. Like half, I would guarantee half the listeners when I say Koechner, David Koechner did not know who I'm talking about. But they know who Champ Kind is. But they know who Champ Kind is because he goes, "Who am I? Who am I? Who am I?" Anyway, so like I think Anchorman is not cameos. Anchorman two. Definitely cameos. Fair, fair, fair. I get that. Um, my other cheer. This this is going to be both a cheer and a jeer. So don't get me wrong. My another cheer is it's only an hour and a half long. For sure. So what are your cheers? 
so my first one we kind of talked about a little bit. Steve Martin and John Candy just they they bounced off each other so well. Their back and forth was incredible. Uh, Steve Martin plays an incredible like just that straight man, and not mm-hmm. straight as in sexual orientation, but like the straight nice. man is like he delivers. He just how he delivers things and how he does things. He's not meant to be like the comedic relief all the time, but yet he has it. And he's just, he plays that incredible part. Um, I, so I think those two, just how they played off of each other, uh, their up and downs and everything. I like that a lot. Um, I like their combination of comedy of comedy with like the seriousness. So compassion and comedic. So there's just how they bounce back and forth. You know, you have, again, we talked about Steve Martin has this like incredibly funny monologue just ripping into uh, John Candy's character when they're at the hotel room and telling him how much of an idiot he is and how much everything here is his fault. And then John Candy goes in this monologue and like with that background music of him like saying like, yeah, well, I'm not perfect. And like he goes into that whole bit, which is awesome. And like how they feed off each other, or that again is part of how they feed off of each other, but just how you can play both sides of the coin, I like a lot. Um, And then finally, my third point is it's so relatable. If you've traveled in shitty weather ever, it's so relatable. Like, other than the fact that, and I'll get into this with Jeers, but other than the fact that, like, when they're trying to fly from New York to Chicago, they could have they could have bypassed anywhere that didn't have a giant storm, but instead they go half they go a quarter way across the country to no, Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> right. So, so like it's just super relatable if we've if you've ever traveled in shitty weather. You and I have experienced it. Like oh, anybody yes. who's traveled in terrible weather knows what it's like, and it's just so relatable to be like, ah, like you just sit there like groaning a little bit, like every time something happens, or it's like. Airports are closed. Ugh. Can't get your rental car. Ugh. Uh, the the train is overbooked, even though nobody fucking takes a train anymore. Ugh. I have taken <laughs> I have taken a train in my life. <laughs> I so. took a train one time. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to take over this. I took a train one time from Mina to Williston. Uh, what? To, yes, to see to see my then girlfriend. <laughs> Because I, I, my, I, my parents didn't want me to drive to Williston, so I was like, "Here's the thing. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna drive to Minot, and then hop on the train to go to Williston." And they're like, "Okay, that's cool." <laughs> you would have been as you would have been as well off just taking a jet ski and riding to the opposite side of Lake Sakakawea. That's. <laughs> yes, yes, that that that's funny that you say that. That's funny because uh, uh, so it's funny. It, it's not funny that you said it. it was more of a funny for me because she, she actually got me like a, as a Christmas present one year because you know you're, you're poor high school kids. She mm-hmm. got me a Christmas present. She got me a map, and on the map she drew like ten different ways that I could get to her, and one of them was via via boat slash jet ski. <laughs> So it was like it was like cute in theory, but I was like, um, no, like I'd rather just make out with you. <laughs> so that's awesome. That was, so go on. Those are my cheers. What are your jeers? Mm-hmm. 
So my Jira again, like I said, the movie's only an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. It could have been, it could have been you know fleshed out a little bit more. The characters could have been fleshed out a little bit more. I was doing some research. Apparently, there is a three-hour cut of the film out there somewhere. A three-hour cut? Yes. So double the movie. Yes, John Hughes, and obviously John Hughes is, is very dead. But people <laughs> people surrounding John Hughes have said that they have seen the three-hour cut. Okay. So I would like uh, to see that. Yeah, that's fair. I wonder where else they travel to. That's what I'm curious. That's what I'm super curious about. Um, I really don't have a lot of cheers to this movie. Like the only other things I can think of is like just like the tell the technology is obviously aged, right? Uh, you know, having to call on a, a on a, like a, a landline phone all the time, like having to find a phone to get in line to talk on the phone, mm-hmm. uh, having to deal with rental car services the way he did, having yep. to you know just just the way that technology is aged. It's, that's kind of, that that's one thing that kind of holds this movie back. But at the same time, the movie doesn't rely on old technology and that's it's just aged so well so it's kind of a you know it's uh, it's kind of back to a cheer and a jeer yeah exactly exactly the only other jeer i might have is like i said it's literally only john candy and steve martin that are like the famous people in this movie like they could have made his wife a little bit more of a recognizable name and granted maybe she would have been a recognizable name back in like the late 80s but at this at this point for me like i don't recognize her at all like Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe throw in, and I, I'm, I'm talking back at myself here, like saying, like I'm glad they didn't do a bunch of cameos, but maybe throw one in, like just for right, fun. like, like yeah, you have, fa- and, you have famous friends, get one in there, right. And speaking of like, speaking of John of uh, Steve Martin's wife, she looks ten years younger than him. Okay, so that's a fun point because I was rewatching the movie and they're like. They're talking about their grand grandpa, and I'm like, wait, was Steve Martin the grandpa in this movie? Like it was, it just threw me off for a minute. There, I was like, wait, I thought he's going home right. to his family. Right. It was, it was super. It just threw me off. Like, yes, yeah, Steve right. Martin looks way too old for her. And again, it's the fact that Steve Martin went gray so early in life. Oh, so early. Like he was gray hair back when he was on SNL, and he was in like his mid twenties when he was in SNL. Yeah. That was, he was 70s, already, yeah. and he was already gray hair. So like yeah. he, that's, that's what holds it back for me. That's probably what makes me think that he's so much older than he is in this movie. But his wife is like, looks so much younger than he does. I do have one more jeer. Actually, I do have, <laughs> and, and maybe this is like, I'm not, my wife will tell you, I'm not the, emotional the sad type mm-hmm. steve martin was i don't granted they don't tell you how long he's been in new york for for business mm-hmm. but he it he takes him three days to get home and he finally mm-hmm. you know he finally gets home and his wife sees him and she she starts crying and there's like this big emotional hug right it's been three days right like get over it mm-hmm so that's my only other G and my Kaylee's looking at me right now. Yeah. Like, again, I like that. I said, I don't know how long he was in New York for. He could have been in New York for a month. And I, that, that's a little bit different, but yeah, he, they could have said that. They never said that right. in the movie. I think it's more like the emphasis on how important it was for him to get home for Thanksgiving. I think gotcha. that's, I think that's why it was so emotional. It was like, 
he finally's home. I don't think like I don't think they have that same connection if it's two days late or if it's a day or two days earlier. It's the fact that he got home just in time for Thanksgiving. You're stressed out, you're worried, and all the emotions kind of flood in. For sure. What are your jeers? So for my jeers, my number one is John Candy's occupation. So selling shower curtain rings. Like, and I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a, I don't know if it's like an, like a part of a character building thing. I don't know if what the point was of it, but like you could make him do absolutely anything. And you're just like, cause I mean, all he has to be is a salesman. It would make sense in the eighties because he has to travel for work. So like you could make him do any, literally anything, but just shower curtain rings does not seem like a real job to me. God, like, I love gotta, that though. He, he's got to be like, it's like, it's an accessory item on like anything else. So like I sell shower curtains, shower, like you sell the shower, you sell the shower curtain rod, you sell the shower curtain and you sell the shower curtain rings. And if he's selling only shower curtain rings, how does he have such a large trunk purely for work? Right. No, I get that. Like, but it just it I think it makes it funnier because it's such like a pathetic salesperson job, but he takes it so seriously. Right. And I mean and there it's is also that... it's also one of the best like back pocket back pocketed trivia pieces you can keep. Like if you go to a trivia night and they say John Candy plays Dell, I can't remember the last name, a salesperson mm-hmm. in plane trains and automobiles, what does he sell? Like that's right. a great back pocket trivia thing to have that's very fair i i did it also created one of like the best bits in like comedic bits in the movie where they're trying to make money for their um they're trying to make money for their their train tickets yeah and they're just he's selling shower curtain rings as anything and everything he can imagine exactly though they're earrings they're you know whatever like just across the board he's selling them as whatever it needs to be so that he they can make money Mm-hmm. but yeah shower curtain rings that's like I was like that's that's just it took me out of it for like a, a split second this is like who sells only shower curtain rings it's I I don't know I think that's so funny but that's just me that's my humor for sure Um, the next one I talked about a little bit earlier but the connection where they have to fly over Chicago because of the storm and end up in Nebraska blows yeah. my mind that, that one's is like, bad. That's got to be like the largest storm of all time. And how do you not just diverge south where it's not as cold? Go, right. go south to Kentucky. Go, go to Tennessee. Go to Atlanta or something like that. Yeah. Right. Like, go to where the storm isn't happening instead of Omaha, Nebraska. Now, again, you have to use it as a plot driving device because then they have to go from place to place and they have to go into an area where you don't have as many amenities because of the. Uh, because of it being a smaller location and not as many people, but I just, it blew my mind that that was their next stop was Omaha, Nebraska. No, no, that's bad. I do. I do get that. Uh, what's, do you have any other jeers? So my last one, my last one. And again, it plays more into the character. So I don't know how much of an actual jeer it is, but I didn't like John Candy being the screw up, the only screw up the entire time. Like, there's nothing Steve Martin really does that like sets them back. 
but everything John Candy does sets them back. Yeah, that's fair. It's like, yeah, like nothing is like Steve Martin doesn't have nothing that he does wrong. Right. So that would be like my last jeer if I really have much of a jeer at all. Okay. 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 What uh what do you give this movie? What what are you scoring this? I'm gonna score it in eighty I'm gonna leave it right in an eighty. It's it's an incredible movie. Don't get me wrong. I love it. There's just, like I said, it's one of those movies that just doesn't, it doesn't draw me in as much as some of other, like some of the other things that John Candy or Steve Martin have done. Um, there's definitely better John Candy movies or definitely better Steve Martin movies. So I'm going to set it right in an 80. Okay. I like that. I, there are better movies from the eighties. I think trading places is above this movie. And I hope that we do Trading Places when it comes closer to Christmas because Trading Places is a Christmas movie. Um, I'm still going to give this an 83. Okay. Because this is a this is a must watch. Mm-hmm. It's a great holiday movie. It always makes me laugh. Yeah. It's just it's just it's a consistent movie. Yeah, I hear you. It's consistently good. It doesn't get old for me. Yep. So, talking about. So we talked about it in an earlier podcast that they're remaking a Will Smith and and Kevin Hart version of Blaine Trains on Automobiles. Dumb. Yes. It's going to be terrible. Like, that's the only way that plays well, because I I wouldn't mind it if they went the other way around. But like Will Smith plays to like plays us the as we talk as we call it, they play the straight man. He plays the straight man really, really well. Like, if you look at him in Hitch and you look at him in some of his other movies, he's not the comedic relief. Other than, like, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. When you look at Kevin Hart, when you look at Kevin Hart's movies, he's always the comedic relief. He's always the guy throwing out the just heat for his movies in terms of being the funny guy. So it has to be those, like, they're each those two guys, right? I would assume so. Yeah, like that has to be like I'm I'm about ninety ten positive on that one, for sure. You know what I mean? Yep. And so for a re so for a rebooted movie, what do you think the scenario is that Will Smith has to get home for? Because I don't I don't think they leave it as Thanksgiving. They're like, oh well, we're rebooting it, so it can't be exactly the same. So it's not going to be Thanksgiving. What does Will Smith have to get home for? They already did Pregnant Wife and Due Date, which is kind of like a rebooted version of this movie. So what do you, what do you think Will Smith has to get full, home for in this next movie? To stop Jada Pinkett Smith from banging that other dude. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to Google what the guy's name was, but it's, it's the entire plot point is around Will Smith trying to get home before his wife bangs the holographic version of Tupac Shakur. <laughs> what? And then at, okay. the end of the, at the end of the movie, Will Smith is just going to tweet out pain. Woof. <laughs> 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 okay. That's, that made it like 100% worse than what I already thought it was going to be. I get that. I get that. Do you want to build a Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner? Let's build a Thanksgiving dinner. So I feel like 
the way I build my Thanksgiving dinner at meals is I, I start at the beginning. Like my family always sets up like the buff, not a buffet, but like they set up the, the, the spread and it starts off. So let's start. So should we break it down into this way? So we're going to start it with, you're going to have your main course. Some -hmm. families do turkeys, other do ham. It's whatever your main course Mm -hmm. protein or whatever you want to call it is. And then you have four sides. Okay. So what's your protein or what's your main dish and yep. what are your four sides? So my protein is absolutely turkey. It has to be turkey. Like Thanksgiving has to be turkey. I'm looking at my wife. Has to be turkey. My wife is a ham person. Hey. My, no. wife, my wife is a ham person. She's a okay. monster. <laughs> I am. I was bred a turkey person. Gobble, okay. gobble, motherfucker. It's okay. I'm, so, yes. Pro, turkey is my protein. What is yours? Uh, mine's also turkey, but to be a little more specific with it, I'm a dark meat guy. Um, Ooh. And if and if I don't get a, dr- a turkey drumstick on Thanksgiving, I'm going to throw a bitch fit. That's every year. <laughs> every year. If I don't, I have gotten the drumstick every year since I was a kid. And I will fight anybody, including my four-year-old nieces or nephews, that try to take my drumstick away from me. You do it. You haven't earned this. Right. I am here, and let me have my drumstick. So my four sides, and this, okay, this is going to be, all these are essential. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to give it why. So my mom bakes fresh buns every year for Thanksgiving. Oh. Your mom's a great lady. And she, I mean, she makes buns a lot. Don't get me wrong. But like Thanksgiving, they just hit different. Right. So it has to be, and she always bakes them the day before. So they're super fresh. Mm-hmm. So I have to get like at least four of those bastards on my plate. For sure. With butter. Yep. Then I usually put my turkey, I usually make some turkey sandwiches out of them on top of eating my turkey. Um, I'm going to include stuffing and mashed potatoes into one because th- I mix them and then I get gravy in there too. Like what you mix your turkey and, or your mashed potatoes and stuffing. Yeah. Is that not a normal thing? <laughs> I have never heard of somebody mixing. Like people put, people put gravy on their stuffing. So why wouldn't I just put it all together? I, I have never heard this. It, 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 it becomes, it, it, it becomes like a blob. At one yes, point, I I imagine because I love stuffing. I like stuffing more than mashed potatoes, but I'm not gonna skip mashed potatoes. Okay, that's just me. Okay, yeah, you're fine. And so th- those are my two. Like, I'm gonna put them together because okay, because whatever, right? Right. Uh, so so fire your sides or your your mom's dinner rolls and mashed potatoes st- stuffing uh, abortion. Yep. Continue. This is where it gets kind of weird. <laughs> okay. Not the, not the mixing of mashed potatoes <laughs> and stuffing. This is where it gets this weird. This is where it gets kind of weird. And, and some people think this is normal. Mainly my family. I put a fuck ton of green olives on my plate. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with the garnishes. I, that's not weird. So putting, I, my, I, putting my stuffing with my mashed potatoes is, is weird, but green olives... No, I love, I love green olives. I don't, I don't know what it is. If there's two things, 
if there's two things that like if we're having a big dinner, if they're not on the table, I'm a little concerned. And it's green olives and ho and pickles. Yeah. Like if they're, and, if they're and, not and on the table, yeah. I'm a little concerned. So I'm going to include that in there too. Cause I feel like those two have to go, but like green olives and Thanksgiving dinner, like there's something about the taste that mixes well. I don't know what it is, but it's, I have to have a shit ton of green olives. Okay. And then my last thing is my, I, and obviously us being from North Dakota, salads are a big thing. And I'm not talking like green salads. I'm talking like pasta mm-hmm. salads, potato yeah. salads. Yep. Um, I'm a big pasta salad guy. Like, I, I'm a go. I'm going for density here. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to throw. If I have room on my plate, I'll make the room. I'll, yep. I'll push. I'll push everything in. That's again. That's where the, the stuffing and mashed potatoes is a huge play because that takes it up. It makes room on your plate. Because think about how much stuffing and mashed potatoes you put on your plate. All of it. You save so much space by putting them together. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> people are gonna listen to this and they're gonna think I'm weird. And then they're gonna be like, this man is a fucking genius. You know, I would say I'm gonna try it this year, but I've I talked with my mom already. Um, and we're not doing mashed potatoes this year. We're doing a ma- we're doing a hash brown casserole. Which okay, I'm that's also cool. super excited that's, for. That's cool. I get that. Like and like we we sometimes have done cheesy potatoes as an extra side. Yep. We're a very we're a very uh carb heavy. Yeah, very carb-heavy family. That's understandable. You know, starch is big in my family. <laughs> so, um, the, yeah, to finish it is usually some sort of salad. And again, okay. like I said, North Dakota people will understand what they mean. North Dakota, Minnesota people will understand what I mean by salad. Yep. Yep. So give me, give me your spread. Uh, so I'll start with mashed potatoes. If, Naturally. If there's a mashed potatoes, I'm going to have them on my plate. I don't care what I'm having. The main course could be mashed potatoes, and then we're going to have a side of mashed potatoes. It's incredible. But I have one stipulation with my mashed potatoes at all times. They have to be made into a volcano, a.k.a. I use my spoon, I dig out a divot in the top, and then I pour the gravy into the divot, which then piles out over onto the sides. If I don't, it has to be a volcano mashed potatoes or else I don't want it. I understand uh, that. I'm glad you get my pain. Um, <laughs> number two is going to be cheesy beans. So my mom for years oh, has always pick. done like canned green beans, mm-hmm. but with like cheese, like a, a just cheesy. They made she makes them cheesy. Um, absolutely love them. I will fight people for them. Uh, even as recently as like a few weeks ago. When we got together for there were, uh, you know, of the seven of the six siblings I have, there were like four of us home and we had cheese beans and everybody wanted them so bad. My mom had to make a second batch. Like See, they're, is, re- they're really good when you bake the top of the cheese on the beans. Mm-hmm. And it's like a crispy layer on top. Ooh, we don't yeah. even do that. Oh, we, we don't even do. do that. And we still fight over. them. <laughs> I like it. Keep going. Um, You're talking my, dirty to me. My third side is also going to be rolls. So yep. my mom, her pizza dough recipe is like a, it's like an everything recipe. So it's pizza dough, it's dinner rolls, it's everything. But she also does a roll recipe that's uh, called potato rolls. So this is like a, 
this is a side for Thanksgiving, but it's also a post-Thanksgiving thing. So if we have leftover mashed potatoes, those then go into dinner rolls because you use your flour, but then you also add leftover mashed potatoes into dinner rolls, like a, a half a cup or a cup or something like that, depending on the batch size. So dinner homemade dinner rolls has to be on the side on it but if it's potato rolls it's a plus if that makes any sense no i get that that makes all the sense to me i it, it sounds delicious sorry kaylee's yelling at our one of our dogs right now no you're good um and then for my fourth side to go with that turkey green beans rolls and mashed potatoes i'd have to say I love stuffing. I got to put stuffing on there. If you don't put stuffing on there, you're a monster. It's just, it's an incredible side. And I want to try. So I've talked with you about this before, but there's a guy on YouTube. I like to watch his name's His show's called binging with Babish. um, Where he makes, he makes, he makes like food for movies and TV show. He's also has a, a series called basics with Babish, but I just saw him make a, um, he did a video where he made stuffing with uh, leftover cornbread. And that sounds like the most amazing thing to me. And I want to make it so badly. I want to make cornbread. Nice. I want to make chili and make cornbread to go with that chili just so I can make cornbread stuffing. I don't know if I'd leave enough cornbread to make stuffing because I just eat the <laughs> shit out of it. No, that's super fair. Like if we're doing if we're doing honorable mentions, cornbread is easily in my honorable mentions. Oh, that's a great pick for honorable mentions. Um, if I'm gonna do honorable mentions, I'm gonna kind of jump off yours that you talked about a little bit earlier, but it's garnishes, so it has to be like mm-hmm. pickles and beets. We do like pickled beets every now and then, so like pickles, pickled beets, green olives, those have to be on my plate on Thanksgiving. Yep. So I want to do a bonus. Pick your dessert. Got to pick a, Thanksgiving. Pick a it has dessert. Be, Thanksgiving. It has to be apple pie. It's not the best dessert out there. I get that. My family, uh, you know me. I have a giant sweet tooth. My family is no different. the The rest of my family, I should say, is no different. Like everybody has giant sweet tooths, and uh, so we do a lot of desserts. But it's not Thanksgiving without apple or without pumpkin pie. See. You were saying Thanksgiving is nothing without, and it's obviously pumpkin pie. Right. It, apple pie is good, but pumpkin pie is the dessert for Thanksgiving. Did I say, did I say apple pie? I could have sworn you said apple pie, because I, like, I literally shook my head. I, I'm sorry. I, I meant pumpkin pie. Maybe it was a Freudian slip. I don't know, but I meant pumpkin pie. So, so... I my the my mouth said apple pie. My brain was imagining a golden perfect uh pumpkin pie me. in my brain with a with a big ass dollop of whipped cream and a piece of and a a scoop of ice cream on the side. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So obviously, since it's a unanimous decision as far as pumpkin pie goes as number one dessert, what's what's the second best Thanksgiving dessert? Oh God. Uh, give me yours. So my first. aunt, my aunts always make like a, they call it a buster bar dessert. Okay. 
and that's like a thanks. It was a Thanksgiving tradition. It was after everyone ate, everyone had about thirty to forty minutes to digest and throw down a couple more beers. And then all of a sudden, my aunts would like we'd all be sitting out in the garage, like shooting the shit, or like sitting in the living room shooting the shit. All of a sudden, the aunts would walk into the room with like four pans, and it's it's frozen like Oreo ice cream like mixtures, mm-hmm. and it just hits so right at that time, like you know the point where you have so much to eat and you had about 30 or 40 minutes to like settle down. You're like, okay, like I'm starting to become okay again. And then all of a sudden my aunts walk in with four pans of frozen buster bar dessert. And it's just like, you just start, you, you start sweating, but then you take a bite and you're cooled off because of the cool sensation. Okay. I get that. Perfect. It was the perfect thing. That sounds good. I, I I have to, yeah, always needed. Um, if I have a dessert, it's always God. So my sister Kristen bakes, and she does a really good job with it. She has like a raspberry white chocolate cheesecake Ooh. that is amazing. That sounds. And I was awesome. on the phone with her today, and that will be at Thanksgiving this year, and I am super excited for it. Can but you like, send me pictures? Uh, I will send you all the pictures. Can um, you? Can you can you spank it? <laughs> Maybe we'll see, we'll see how elusive I can be. Um, but it it's just an incredible incredible uh, cheesecake, and like she's done others in the past where like she does a, a Reese's peanut butter cheesecake. Mm-hmm. She does like just Kristen does an incredible just cheesecakes in general. Um, so that's always like one that I look out for, even if it's just like a plain cheesecake with like putting blueberries or strawberries on it's amazing i love it i love all of this this is fun now i'm really hung now i'm really hungry see that's why i just i just slap i just put down three bud light seltzers yeah i said <laughs> seltzers uh <laughs> but we had chick-fil-a for supper tonight oh i hate you so much right now <laughs> that's 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 the sole reason we decided to move to Minneapolis is to be closer to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and that's I, so I, fair. I put down two spicy deluxe sandwiches. Yeah. And I feel so good. And um, I also had I'm, some I, I also had some cold stone ice cream for supper. I'm so proud of you. I uh, I'm proud of myself. I'm about to go have pork chops, uh country fried potatoes and corn on the cob. At ten thirty? Yeah. Good I, for you. Well, it was going to be done like 20 minutes into us making the podcast and I didn't want to quit podcasting to eat or try and eat while I'm podcasting. So late dinner, hopefully it'll tie me over before lunch tomorrow, but I doubt it. Gotcha. Yeah, I close tomorrow before Thanksgiving. So Ooh, fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. All right. Well, let's uh, let's award this pod. Yeah. Who do you got? You know, I didn't have anyone really good to give it to, and I'm going to give it to, and this is obviously so many years late, but holy shit, John Candy, I miss yeah. him. Oh, I miss crazy. him so much, and he was such a funny actor. Again, like I said, just hearing his laughter just made my heart full. Yep. Just, it was so, like I said, there's only like a handful of actors that can do that for me, and he is one of them, and he just makes me just feels so good, and I he doesn't have a bad movie in his in his in his filmography. 
and he just never plays a bad guy. He's always a good person, so I'm going to give it to John Candy. 100%. So my award is going to go to Jonathan Majors. Um, He's a star of the TV show of the the series Lovecraft Country on HBO. Um, Yeah, yeah. Just, I I had the chance to watch the series while while it was quarantining, and just an incredible series, but he's an incredible actor. Um, he's has some other parts in in movies that he tends to do a lot of movies that are very big to the black community. Um, he did the last black man in San Francisco. He had a part in the five bloods. Um, he's just he's an incredible actor. And for him to, you know, to get this to be the starring role to be the big piece in a in a show is a really is a really outstanding setup for him. Um, I think it's a good, I love the show. I watched the entire series in one day um, and he was such an incredible part of it. I'm so excited for him to kind of continue in movies and in with, you know, what he's going, what he has going on on TV. Awesome. I love it. All right. Um, Vin Diesel is going to, going to see us out this week. I'm so excited for it. So as always, I'm Alex and I'm Nathan. We'll see you next week. Go watch it.